You're listening to ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Dr. David Mayer. Dr. Mayer is Associate Dean for Curriculum at the University of Illinois Chicago College of Medicine. He's also an Associate Professor in the Department of Anesthesiology and Co-Director of the Institute for Patient Safety Excellence. And we will be discussing how to improve communicative skills and our medical students when they talk with our patients, especially when errors occur. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be with you, Murray. What exactly is the mission or purpose of the Institute for Patient Safety? The Institute of Patient Safety Excellence is a center that was founded roughly about a year ago after about three years of work we had been doing here at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And the mission of the Institute of Patient Safety Excellence is really to connect what we call the tripartite mission of an academic medical center around patient safety. It's one thing to be doing things at the bedside, but you still have to be doing the research and the education or training around those interventions. So we basically, with the Institute, connect the research, the education, and the clinical care application so that all three of those are always working together to better our patient's care. You have developed a model that's now being copied in many medical centers called the Patient Communicative Consult Service. What exactly is that? That is the work of Tim McDonald and Nikki Senamani, who about three, four years ago looked at when adverse events happen. And adverse events I'm speaking of are more related to when an error occurs. We all know through the Institute of Medicine's report and other publications today that errors occur in healthcare. It's part of a systems and process issue. And so when an error occurs, we take the approach now that we connect with the patient right away Within 24 hours, we talk to the patient and the family about the air, about why it occurred, and about things that were going on around that air. So we, within 24 hours, are talking to the patient and their family and communicating and, if necessary, apologizing for that air. And the communication service takes the lead in getting all the healthcare providers together to make sure that this is done correctly. Who is the point person? There usually is one person that I would imagine your team identifies. Who is that person? And what kind of qualities would they bring to this situation? Well, what we try to do is look at the particular event, identify the people who were involved in that event. Many times it's a large team of people, from nursing to physicians to pharmacists, and we get them together and we start going through what exactly happened How did it happen? We engaged the patient and their families so that we could sit down with them and answer their questions honestly without any ambiguity. If we don't know something, we tell them we don't know that, but we will find the answer to that question out. As soon as we do, we will get back to you. But the majority of the time, one of the people who is critical in the incident will take the lead and explain things to the patient and their family about what happened and why it happened, and as all of us do around the team, you know, apologize for the event and and try to figure out ways to make the situation better for the patient. A hundred percent of patients, it's been shown in surveys, want to hear an apology when an untoward error takes place. What else does a patient want to hear from his doctor? We have used 
Rosemary Gibson's insight into this. She's been a, a wonderful mentor and sort of helper in our program. She's spoken to our medical students. She talks to people on our staff here. And Rosemary's book, Wall of Silence, she takes you through the stories of about 75 different families and patients who have experienced the medical error. And her data show that there are four things patients want when an error occurs. The first is they want to know the information. They want to be told the truth. What happened? Why did it happen? Tell me everything you know and answer my questions openly. The second thing they want to know is if an error had occurred, they want an apology for that error. The third thing is they want to make sure that you don't abandon them in the process. You don't shut them down. You don't deprive them of that information, as well as you don't turn the healthcare provider away because there is a second victim in all these situations and that's the healthcare provider. And, and so the patients really want the healthcare provider to be taken care of and to make sure that they're supported and not shut out. And the last thing and probably one of the most important things in process improvement is the patients want to know what are you as a facility, as a medical center, as a healthcare team, going to do to ensure that this event doesn't happen to another family? What processes, what educational interventions are you going to do to keep this tragedy from happening to someone else? You know, one of the first things you mentioned was they want to know the truth. They want to be communicated with. Do you think that this is part of a, an even bigger problem that doctors have difficulty in truth-telling? Not because they're necessarily trying to protect themselves, but you'll see examples of not giving facts in prognosis or diagnosis, using euphemisms such as your renal function is not as good or your ejection fraction is not as good when really the patient is dying, a word that doctors don't like to use. Do you think this is all part of the same issue? I think it's all connected or all related. When you look at communication skills, they are just that. They are skills that some people are very good at, others are not as good at. And similar to your golf game or tennis, many of us believe that communication skills are something that you should always be working at, always practicing, always trying to improve. It's easy to tell somebody good news. It's very difficult to tell somebody bad news or news that they don't want to hear. It's even more difficult to tell somebody bad news that resulted from an error. And historically, in our culture, at least physicians like myself, have been told, don't worry about doing that. Just shut up. Don't say anything. We will handle it. And we being hospital administration and our attorneys. And so we've kind of pulled back. We've not returned phone calls historically. And we've let what we were told to do, and we've taken the approach that this is what they're telling us to do. This is what they're saying is the best way to handle it. And so we followed that approach. And I think a lot of it is because it was the easy way out. We didn't have to engage the family. We didn't have to communicate that we may have made an error. And that was an easy way out for us at the time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard. I'm speaking with Dr. David Mayer. And we're discussing communicative skills, especially when an untoward result or error has taken place in our patient care. I've also thought, this is a personal bias, that doctors don't necessarily have to develop communicative skills. Patients come to us as opposed to other industries where salesmen go out and look for business. We've always been in a 
in a place in which patients come to us, knock on our doors, and seek us, so we don't have to get on the phone and call them. Because of this, I think that in many cases, we haven't had the opportunity to develop these skills. Have you any feelings about this when you look at medical students coming in that first year? Yes, I think there's a growing body of knowledge that skills like communication, like teamwork, like conflict resolution are very important to not only develop, but to practice, to go through role plays, to get feedback on how well you do these types of what we call the non-technical skills, so to speak. It's different than starting an intravenous line or suturing a cut in the emergency room closed. They're important skills, and we train our students in that. In my role as curricular dean, we take those things seriously, and we start with communication skills and, and training and communication skills early. Students hear about full disclosure. They hear about you know, how they practice and how to give bad news to a patient in the second year of medical school. They practice and role play with other students or with what we call standardized patients who are actors who play the role of patients. They practice talking about an error that occurred and apologizing for that error and taking accountability for that error. We believe these skills are very important today, and I'll go back and give a little story. When I was a resident, I was involved in a wrong-sided herniorophy case. We were supposed to do a herniorophy on the left side. The surgeon made the incision on the right side, and it took three or four minutes before people sort of realized what was going on. They sutured up the right side, did the left-sided herniorophy, and basically came up with an excuse about why the patient had two surgeries in their right and left hernia region. I, as a resident, was dumbfounded because I didn't know what to do. I knew what I wanted to do, but I was told not to do that. I wasn't trained on how to do that, even if I would have been allowed to do that. And when I say trained, it's, it's not rehearsing or acting, but it's just being able to give that bad news to a patient and being able to answer their questions comfortably so that I did the right thing. And I think that's what when you talk to many healthcare providers today, they want to do the right thing, but they haven't been able to because of the culture, as well as they don't know how to react properly so that they really connect and make sure that the patient feels that honesty and openness because it's difficult. Having sat in many of these scenarios, it's a difficult task to talk to patients when these things occur, but people feel so much better afterwards. When we look at how we're now handling being honest and direct and explaining errors when they happen, do our risk managers look upon this as being a very productive step in the right direction? In other words, does it reduce suits or are we asking for more problems by being honest? I think there's still a lot of debate out there. I know our internal experience has been very positive. It's been positive from a culture standpoint and that people feel that we're doing the humanistic thing and not hiding behind our errors. I think it's been very rewarding because many of the patients that we've had these conversations with, that we've been fully open and honest with them, we've shared what happened and we apologized if an error had occurred, have stayed patients and families have stayed patients with us. They've maintained their care within our environment, which tells us, I understand a mistake was made, but I trust you and I trust that you will take care of me because you treated me as a human being. And third, we are seeing financial 
gain from doing this because the amount of lawsuits and the amount of attorney's fees and the financial models are showing that when you treat patients honestly and openly, they don't go to an attorney to get the information that you have historically been depriving them of. And I think that's been our experience. I know Dr. Boothman in Michigan has seen similar experience, and some of the pockets across the country are seeing the same experience. So it may be the start of a really culture change in medicine. Well, I want to thank Dr. David Mayer for being our guest today, and we've been discussing improving communicative skills, especially in the face of an error or an untoward result in patient care. And I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For questions and comments, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.